Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 14, Episode 77. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Tuesday. Steelers Nation usually don't do the Tuesday shows, but with the wildcard game taking place on Monday, Dave and I wanted to immediately recap and react to the Pittsburgh Steelers loss. Their season is over, 31-17 to to the Buffalo Bills, digging themselves yet again Another big hole they could not quite climb out of. Dave, how you doing? It's all over. Not great, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the finality of this always is, uh, uh, you know, uh, abrupt, if you will. I mean, you go from uh, your seasons going on to your season ending, and uh, it seemed as though this season – uh, ended uh, after the long Josh Allen run uh, in that game. But uh, to their credit, you know, they did crawl back within uh, seven points of that game in, 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 in the second half there. But uh, look, I mean, only one team wins it all every year and uh, everybody else has their season come crashing to an end, uh, you know, uh, abruptly, if you will. So, and that's exactly what happened uh, to this team against the Bills. Uh, not as adverse of conditions as I kind of thought they needed to play in uh, in order to have a better chance in this game. But if you do some of the things that the Steelers did in this game, uh, it wouldn't have mattered if you would have played. Uh, where you would have played, uh, uh, you're probably going to come away with a loss in this one. So we have a lot to talk about today, don't we? We do. And you're right. Only one team can hoist a Lombardi, but Pittsburgh's playoff drought extends to seven seasons without a playoff victory. And they've now lost their last five playoff games. That is tied for the second longest active streak in the NFL with the Washington commanders. Only the Miami Dolphins at six have a longer streak. And so that cloud continues to hover over Pittsburgh and it's a dark cloud obviously as their lack of play playoff success continues so day before we dive into this game again 31-17 loss to the Buffalo Bills who will advance to the divisional round and play the Chiefs let's go over just some housekeeping here inactives injuries the inactives I think you nailed all seven Elijah Riley was that seventh man the guy we weren't 100% sure of but with Casey coming back, of course, we think if it's Patrick coming back, it made sense for Riley to sit. Yeah, no surprise uh, overall, but uh, other than really just kind of questioning who was going to be that seventh man, I think uh, we 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 both agreed that Elijah Riley was the most likely candidate uh, for that, and he was uh, the other. The other six, no surprise at all. And then uh, just to kind of a side note to that, you go into the offseason with uh, DeMarvin Leal uh, can't get a, can't get a helmet over Isaiah Loudermilk. If people have been scoring at home, uh, that's 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 not great, Bob. Uh, you got a former third round draft pick there that uh, can't even get a helmet 
you know, what was it, four of the five final games or something like that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that he was inactive there. So, yeah, I think that's about all we need to uh, talk about when it comes to the inactives there. That's two not great bobs in the first three minutes of the show. So for those playing Steelers Depot, bingo. Hopefully you had that in a, in a sweet spot. Yeah, not not a good sign whenever we're getting a couple of not great bobs here so early in the show. All we need we, is a doom, a, a <laughs> gloom, despair, and agony on me, right? That, that's the free space. Okay, all right, got you. For, for a playoff loss. All right, from an injury perspective, three of them suffered by Pittsburgh in this game. Joey Porter Jr., Allen Robinson, in concussion protocol, they both were were hurt in the second half of this game and then ruled out tight end Pat Frymuth dinging his ankle at some point. I think he came back and he you know mostly finished out the game, but seems to be minor. But Tomlin mentioned him post game. But Porter Robinson taking some hard shots to the head. Porter, especially, you know, from behind Connor McGovern, the Bills left guard, trying to push the Fawn Dix forward on a third down play and just crushed Porter from the back of a, uh, his helmet there. And Porter was in an obvious pain and then. Robinson got super woozy after it, the back of his helmet hit the ground after being tackled. So um, obviously these guys now you know have the whole offseason to recover. I'm sure that they will, but those were uh, some you know dicey moments. Hopefully those guys can recover pretty quickly. Yeah, and uh, you know what? Both happened in the uh, in the second half. There, uh, kind of late. I think. Uh, well, when when did the Porter one happen? About nine minute mark or something of the third. Or something. Trying try to like remember. That. Uh, but. Uh, uh, he still he played. What did I have his snaps at? Joey Porter made uh, played seventy three percent of the snaps overall, forty nine in total before he left uh, left the game injured there. All right, Dave, let's get into the game. And frankly, if you've seen one recent Steelers playoff game, you've seen them all. It's the same story. I had my article this morning. Pittsburgh's insanity continues, and I defined that from just the same thing happening in terms of how these games end up. Pittsburgh falls behind. They start slow, dig themselves quite a hole, try to rally back. They fall short. Game's over. They lose. That can apply to this game, the Chiefs game. Well, they really didn't rally that much in the Chiefs game, but the Browns game, the Jaguars game, and maybe to some extent the Patriots game back in uh, that that what AFC title game. But it, it just kind of rinse repeat at this point, Dave. Yeah, look, you get the ball to start the game, and you actually uh, uh, get a get a first down there, and you move the ball up until almost midfield, and then your punter, uh, man. Uh, that that's that we could do a whole podcast about that, but uh, you know your your punter doesn't really pin. I you put it best if if you what would you put out on Twitter if you need it inside the twenty, <laughs> uh, it's going to be at the twenty. If you don't need it inside the twenty, it's going to be. Uh, I forget how you. I, I said if you need it at the twenty, Harvard will put it at the twenty. If needed at the ten, Harvard will put it at the twenty. And and go. and obviously he's got some shanks. What I say is. You know, not all punts inside the 20 are created equal. The ones where you would love it inside the 10, inside the five to really pin teams back. Harvard always seems to put it at the 19 or the one, I think the first one was the 21 yard line. So, you know, you're just not really taking full advantage of pinning teams deep. 
All I will say is about the Steelers' first possession is at least it wasn't a three and out. At least you did move it to midfield in an area where you would hope that maybe you'd get a good punt, pin them uh, within their own 10. But I'm not sure it would have mattered where you would have pinned them on that opening drive. The Bills came out. And and once again, you know, the, uh, the weather wasn't as adverse as what I kind of was hoping it might be uh, uh, for this game. Uh, the, the field looking fantastic mm-hmm. shape, really, to be honest with you. You know, there was snow obviously in the stands, but uh, but uh, that was it. And the, the wind didn't seem all that impactful. Uh, the Bills just marched right down the field. Uh, what was it? 10 plays, 80 yards, and then uh, get uh, down in the low red zone. The Steelers blow a coverage there on 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 Dawson Dawson Knox and a nine yard touchdown there. Uh, went into this game, obviously one of the keys that I had written about, and it was no secret. Uh, The Steelers have struggled against tight ends uh, throughout the season here, and you wondered with uh, them getting Minka and 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 you know uh, Casey back, how they would uh, roll their defensive backs out in, in 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 order to prevent maybe from that from happening. But lo and behold, you know they get they get drilled by a tight end. Uh, right out of the shoot, and not only that, it was a blown coverage, uh, and you're down seven nothing. I mean, at that point, I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, they're going to need to adjust to that. Obviously, game wasn't over uh, at that point, but your offense comes out, goes three and out uh, 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 again. Uh, you 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 punt the football away. You fortunately get a uh, a, a three and out. Uh, on the defensive side of football, and you start to think to yourself, all right, maybe they're settling in a little bit here. And then first play of the Steelers, what was it, third possession, you have the uh, completion to George Pickens, and he puts the football on the ground. Uh, Obviously, the play is reviewed. Uh, Bills football, one play later, you know, they, they, they hit the tight end again, this time to uh, Dalton, Decade, Dalton Kin- Kincaid from 29 yards out, right down, right down the pipe, man. Uh, uh, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a 14 to nothing hole and first quarter still hasn't ended. Which is the story of so many of these playoff games, the Browns game, um, the Chiefs game, not after the first quarter, but, you know, getting boat raced within a, 10 minute span, if that, in the second quarter of that one, the Jaguars game, you know, having to, you know, the, the fans were digging out of, of the snow and Pittsburgh was digging out of the hole that they made in this one. So, yeah, I mean, off, here was Pittsburgh's path to victory. They really had just kind of one clear path to victory in this game run the ball effectively, protect the football offensively, create takeaways defensively, at least two on Josh Allen was the magic number. And they did none of those things. And so you put those things together just, off of that, you really have no chance to to win this game. And Pittsburgh at least made it competitive at, at one point, despite all those limiting factors. But yeah, I mean, from an offensive standpoint, you know, a simple sprint down supposed to be five yards to help substitute your run game when it's not working early. And Pickens puts the ball on the ground. And you know, all week Mike Tomlin talked about this is a Bills defense that's aggressive. We talked about it, Dave. They they force fumbles. Their secondary's got seven forced fumbles this year. They got fourteen as a team. They really try to take the football away at every opportunity. Pickens puts it on the ground. Brian with puts it on the ground. Luckily, somehow Pittsburgh was able to maintain possession. You get a goal line end zone interception, which is, you know, is a killer in a 14 nothing game. So you're just not going to win. You know, Pittsburgh does not win when they turn the ball over. And they certainly do not win when they're, you know, minus two in the turnover differential. 
you know, as bad as they uh, got off to the start there and obviously down 14 nothing, and you get into the uh, uh, get into the second quarter there. Uh, you even get in a situation, as you mentioned, you had that uh, deep pass down the left side to Firemuth and for, you get the, uh, you know, looks, I, I think they made the right ruling on the Firemuth play. Do you? I'm still not entirely sure what they were even looking at. Were they saying that Firemuth touched hit, the ball out of bounds? Right, right. Okay. Wait, so that's it's like the Deontay Seattle situation where he's out of bounds but touching the football, and so it becomes a dead ball in that moment. Is that I, my the interpretation? I, I that's the way I interpreted it. Uh, there, well, well, I, I think it hit his helmet while he was out of bounds. I, I think okay. that's what they uh, determined there. All right. Besides that, okay, you get the uh, and that was the Steelers' what lone uh, explosive play of the game. Mm. <laughs> uh, that 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 played to uh, Frymuth there. But okay, fast forward from there, you continue on down. You start the second quarter you still possess pe- possess the football uh you 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 uh you take a bad sack there on first and 10 at the bills 26 yard line uh you you're able to actually overcome that with a, a third and nine completion to firemuth over to the left side and he truck sticks uh for for the first down uh you 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 you, you dig it deeper into the low red zone area there and then you know a, a pretty brutal you know, interception overall. Uh, Deontay never really looked open on that play, if you ask me, in the in 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 the end zone there. And I thought Elam made a good good job. You know, Mason talked after the game. I got to put that where it's us or nobody. Well, if you put that where there's it, it it's it's us or nobody. I'm not sure Deontay catches that uh, on yeah. that one. Uh, but uh, all right, uh, so you get the interception there. Obviously, a killer down 14 nothing but you want to talk about you know i don't want to really call this a a huge I mean, it's hard to have a huge turning point in the game when you're down 14 nothing i guess but uh in a matter of like three minutes and 45 seconds you go from throwing an interception down in the low red zone to josh allen taking off 52 yards down the field uh uh to put the bills up 21 nothing there and i mean you know, you're, you're talking a matter of, of what, 10 plays, I think, overall. And once again, like three minutes, 45 seconds of, 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 of actual game clock time in that situation there. And, you know, one, it, it wasn't another captain obvious thing that I had in my five keys there. But what did I say? No joshing around on the ground. And that's a lot of joshing around on the ground. Hmm. Uh, 52 yards, I think a career uh, high, both playoffs and regular season for him. And then you turn around. Uh, I, I don't know how you can't be depressed at that point because you go from potentially being 14 to seven back in the ball game yep. to uh, 3.45 later down 21 nothing. Sure. You can call that the swing. Talk about just how important that that change was to maybe make it a, you know, at least get points on the board, but hopefully put it in the end zone, make it 14-7. Okay, you're right back in this thing. You survived that first quarter wave, you know, made up for your mistakes. Now it's 21 nothing, and now you're just – your game plan's wrecked. You know, you're playing from behind, doing all the things you can't do against Josh Allen, against Buffalo on the road in the postseason. So, yeah, Pittsburgh's inability to run the football really hurt them, especially early. And they had that first and goal run to, to Najee and it got nothing. So they go empty set on second and goal, try to spread things out. And, you know, on a comeback in the red zone, 
I don't love the route. I mean, you, I think you got to try to design something where somebody's you know schemed up to get open down there. Rub, in that rub them off, yeah. Something you, like that. Rub them off, or uh, yeah, uh, uh, you, you got to get something something a little bit more open in that situation. But Rudolph, it was not there. He shouldn't have thrown it. You know, they're doubling Pickens and Frymuth on that play in the slots. You're trying to take your one v one to your best route runner. I get the idea, but it's not there, and so. You know, do anything else at second and goal, live the fight another day. And in Rudolph, I just thought Rudolph, he got better as the game went on. Thought he played, you know, pretty well in the second half. But early on, he was not reading things well. I thought Buffalo was really doing a good job of disguising their coverages and rotating and dropping. There was a, I think maybe a third down player, one throw to Deontay earlier in the game where Micah Hyde drops out and it looks like Johnson's uncovered, has free access, but it's not there. And you know, passes incomplete. So I just thought Rudolph was struggling to make good decisions and really read Buffalo's defense well for the first quarter and a half. Yeah, and and, and probably a byproduct of why things got a little bit better for him uh, uh, moving forward, too, is when you're up 21 nothing, you can uh, try to keep a lid on things a little bit better. And about that same time, I think you started to see the running game get a little bit better, too. But, you know, at, at, at that point, at 21 nothing, you're just trying to prevent the home run, right, uh, on defense. So that's probably why things loosened up a little bit overall. But, uh, look, 21 nothing hole, I mean, not not many teams come back from that, uh, especially in the playoffs here. And, you know, you fast forward in, 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 you know, the Steers went three and out after the, after the, uh, after the bills went up 21, nothing, they were driving down the field uh, again. And if not, you know, this, the Steers did eventually get the defense off the field and set up a, what was it, a 49 yard field goal in that situation. And you're thinking, Oh boy, when it rains it, or when it snows, it, it really pours here. Uh, you're going to be down 24, nothing here. And it was a, a mini light uh, crack of daylight uh, at, at that situation. Uh, Montrevious Adams blocks the uh, so much, so much happened on that one play. <laughs> uh, uh, Montrevious Adams blocks it. The, uh, the punter, uh, looks like me when I get out of bed with one of those <laughs> old old man cramps uh, in 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 the middle of the night. There, uh, Harbig gets on the football. Uh, you you set up in 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 plus territory at that point. Uh, to their credit, they went down and buried you know buried the drive there, and and you're down instead of being down twenty four, uh, nothing entering halftime. You're down. 21-7. So at, at the very least, it was a small positive and tip your hat to the special teams, the, the Steelers special teams units in that situation. Uh, once again, you go from looking like that's definitely the end of the ball game at 24 nothing to going into halftime with at least some positive and thinking, hey, if we can come out and get a stop uh, to open up the uh, the second half and and, and, and and get a touchdown here, you know, it's a new ball game. It was the swing that gave you some life in the way that, you know, the swing from potentially 14-7 turned to 21 nothing, from potentially 24 nothing to 21-7. That's a different complexion. Certainly has a different feel to it. So great job by Montrevious Adams' team. But they blocked three punts. How many punts? Three punts this year in a field goal. So, I mean, that, that's a pretty solid season from a production standpoint from your, your you know, your, your rush team on the punt unit in the in the field goal block team so 
that was good. It was funny how far that ball bounced backwards. Yeah. Too. Buffalo kicked that. Let me pull up the number here. Buffalo kicked that from Pittsburgh's 31, and then Pittsburgh took over at Buffalo's 33. So that ball was bouncing, and Herbig was trying to run it in, and he couldn't pick it up. But, um, yeah, that was still, you know, a, a, certainly a huge swing. And then it was, you know, kudos to – to, to Rudolph and to Deontay and for the offense to punch that one, one in because they couldn't settle for three in that situation. That was four down territory. That was, you got to put this ball in the end zone before halftime. And they did. All right. You come out the second half, uh, obviously Buffalo won the toss and, 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 and deferred to the second half. So they got the ball first and the Steelers uh, got a sack with uh, Alex Highsmith on a, on a second and 10 situation. And, you know, to uh, what Knox, I think, dropped the opening pass of that uh, 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 of the second half to help the Steelers out there. Uh, they get off the field in three and out situation. And, you know, you, you, you're kind of wondering at that point, all right, uh, they, they, they got the three and out to start the second half. Can they can they march football down the field and, 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 and get a touchdown to make this thing start looking a little bit respectable? Well, they got the ball. They, they, they started to drive down, had two false starts by – Boy, not not a great great game by Washington, was it? Uh, uh, Darnell Washington, two mm-hmm. false starts on that uh, drive there. They still managed to to, to overcome and, and not get into a third down situation until later on in the drive where they faced a third and nine uh, situation there, and obviously couldn't convert. But at least they did come away with a field goal in that situation. So uh, at that point, with uh, what was it? I don't know, eight fifty four. Uh, left in the uh, left in the uh, third quarter, and it's uh, what twenty one ten at that point, and there's still time left at that point, Alex. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pittsburgh, to their credit, well, I, I'm hesitant. I know that's just an easy thing to say, yeah, but like, do we give them, cre- but do we even yeah. give them credit for burying themselves and then just not laying down and then fighting back a little bit, but still losing? I mean, I, I I'm it's so reflexive to say, well, to their credit, but right. how much credit to, do you get in the playoffs? Right. To their credit for uh, blowing it early. Yeah. Yeah. To their credit for screwing it up early and right. then having no choice but to, to rally really hard. So I'm going to do my best to not because that phrase actually kind of drives me up a wall at this point, given their lack of success. But they did get back into the game. That's that's undeniable. I mean, they made it a, you know, a one, a one score game at some point. Uh, but then missed tackles and Buffalo with the dagger. Uh, Shakir with a touchdown there on second and nine. Minka missing the tackle, the tackling sloppy defensively. Didn't think the hustle was as good as it needed to be overall collectively as that group. And that's that's all she wrote on that that, that final score. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird to go back and think that uh, with what was it, ten thirty two left in the uh, ball game in the fourth quarter. It was a seven point game. 24 right. 17 and if you 21 nothing uh if, if if you get a stop there uh after scoring to to draw it to 24 17 at that point you know you know you you don't know what can happen at that point but i mean you had uh uh that drive a bad bad uh drive by by miles jack at that point now i do think that it was a bit of a cop-out you know originally they called pass interference on Miles Jack on a ball that ended up out of bounds. And it almost felt like a, uh, uh, well, we screwed up, but you know, we're, we're going to call that defensive holding, uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in that situation. And correct me if I'm wrong, the ball was in the air. Uh, why not, why not make the right call in that situation and pick up a flag? 
But regardless, uh, uh, a few plays later, Josh Allen takes off with the football again. And a little bit ticky-tack, especially the way he kind of fake slid early in the game there. Josh Allen takes off with the football, uh, uh, tries to get as much yardage as he can, goes down. And Miles did his best to try to let up uh, on that one, and it wasn't it wasn't uh, egregious, but you almost have to call that in that situation, I think, right? On, on the unnecessary rough. I mean, it was ticky tack, mm-hmm. but you can understand in the same breath why they called it uh, in that one. But I mean, you just, you go from a uh, uh, second and five, you know, it would have been a third and three situation, I think, at that point at, at the Steelers 35. And obviously, you tack the, you, you get 17 total yards on that play with the 15 yard penalty tacked on. And then they're inside the red zone and, uh, the play to Shakir and Mika can't bring him down, and uh, nobody else can either. No Michael Michael Walker Michael Walker needs his ankles taped after that. And yeah, it was just uh, after that. It, it, you know, obviously, I mean, some will say the game was over at twenty-one nothing, which for all intents and purposes it practically was, but it was really over at that point. The best touchdown or the best tackle on that Shakir touchdown was Miles Jack leaping on <laughs> Stephon Diggs's back. For, I saw the clip that you posted. Yeah, he was tackling sure. somebody on that play. Yeah. He, he, he wasn't sure who, but he was tackling somebody. Not the right guy, but somebody made a tackle on that play at least. Yeah, I mean, with Jack, I, I understand both sides of that one. I knew the call was coming the second that Jack collided with Josh Allen. You're, it's bang, bang. You're trying to pull up. The dude just ripped off a 52-yard touchdown on you. He's Josh Allen. He's freaking house. You don't know if he's going to go down or not. So I know you have to kind of play that more, you know, intensely than if it's Mason Rudolph scrambling. But when you have that kind of hit in that moment, I knew the flag was coming, and you really can't debate that because that is, to the letter, that is going to be a penalty. Uh, On the long Josh Allen uh, uh, touchdown run, Eric Rowe, thoughts on, on was he held? Would it have mattered? The yeah, tackle, was he obviously once uh, uh, Josh Allen got past that point? I mean, you have all those guys over there, and nobody can make the tackle on him. You mm-hmm. know, that's uh, my takeaway. I'm not going to focus on the penalty too much. Could you call it sure? But Casey's getting steamrolled. Everybody's slowing up. Josh Allen's outrunning your entire secondary. Right. Those to me are the bigger concerns than a potential holding call at the line of scrimmage. All right. And then, yeah, from there, the game was essentially over. Um, you know, Pittsburgh going forward on fourth down, about five minutes to go. George Pickens potentially held pass interference, no call there. I understand his frustration. I thought Pittsburgh had – they went through their two money calls and that that final third and fourth down, the third and three to Warren that went for no gain, and the fourth down to Pickens, the third down to Warren. Remember the long captured run, the 50-yarder that Warren had against Cleveland in week two? Mm. Left sideline, I'm getting fined on. Same call there. Have the back kind of run through to the opposite side, and Klein did a heck of a job to to track that, match that, and make the open field tackle on Jalen Warren. And then on fourth down, they went two by two, twelve personnel, twin wide receivers, the dragon concept that they hit the pickings against the Bengals for 86 yards. They tried that on third down against the Patriots with Trubisky that uh, he threw to Pickens that was incomplete. So they have curls on the one side of the tight ends. Slant flat to the other side, you know, again, questionable, no call there. But Pittsburgh went to their two money calls, like they're got to have it type calls in Buffalo from a result standpoint, defended them very well. And Klein just came off the couch, right? 
he talked about he's going to go to Key West, and now he's in Buffalo winning playoff games for them. Uh, and, you know, this was already a Bills defense that was had been banged up uh, throughout the season, especially at the linebacker position right with them. And uh, didn't Tayron Johnson go out of this game? At, uh, at, well, did he mm-hmm. come back? Uh, I don't I don't think he I don't I don't remember if he came back or not, but uh, uh, they obviously lost. You know, they didn't have one uh, uh, linebacker in this game uh, due to injury being inactive. They lost another one during the game there and the Steelers still couldn't get really. Uh, uh, and, and obviously, when you fall down 21, nothing, it gets you out of the game plan at all. But they never really got solid, really solid, consistent uh, uh, running game going in this one was something that I that I think everyone would agree that they needed to run the football very very well early and control the thing and uh you know they they, they just never could get that going with with with, with their running game uh all, you know be damned who 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 was on the other side there on paper the numbers don't look bad twenty three rushes hundred and six yards Warren had a good yards per carry. But yeah, for where Pittsburgh's been at, for where they needed to be, for where we thought they could be against a Buffalo team that was hurting down the middle and lost guys in game. Dodson did not play. Bernard gets hurt. They're going to rookies like Dorian Williams, you know, for them being that 425 personality. Then Johnson, as you said, got hurt. I don't think he came back in this one. If he did, it came back very, very late. Pittsburgh just did not run enough, especially early. That's how they got themselves in that hole. They wanted to come out and run the ball, you know, stay on schedule. They're putting themselves in third and long when Buffalo can dial up their sim pressures and really rotate coverages and make life, life tough on the O-line, the protection, and Mason Rudolph. And so I just thought early on running the ball was just not, not where it needed to be, not where it has been. If you're going to score 17 points in a game, which you know I, I figured – that they they probably could in this game, uh, if they scored much more than that, I you know I thought maybe twenty uh, something around in there. Uh, you, you damn sure can't give up what you gave up on the other side, and you know they obviously gave up twenty one uh, before e- 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 even halftime there. Uh, what is it with uh, with 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 these playoff defenses and Mike you know and Mike Tomlin teams in these last what five games? You know just giving up uh, oodles of uh, oodles of points there. And I know you're facing at some point some really good offenses, some really good quarterbacks. I mean, three of their five losses have been to Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. I get that. But listen, it's AFC football. It's the playoffs. These great quarterbacks are not going anywhere. You're going to face Josh Allen or Mahomes or now CJ Stroud or Lamar Jackson or whoever the next guy is, Herbert, if the Chargers ever get their butt to the playoffs, those types of things. Um, you know, you're going to face good quarterbacks in the playoffs. That's why it's the postseason. And if Pittsburgh can't overcome that and mitigate that to some degree, then they're never going to go anywhere in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, they they needed this to be a low scoring game, I thought, uh, uh, with some elements involved in order to win. Uh, other than the uh, and it's you know it's obviously it was a key point in the game, uh, the interception by Rudolph aside, I thought he played reasonably well outside of that. He got better as the game went on. I, I agree. I don't think he was a reason why this team lost this game. He helped facilitate that comeback, but I thought he just he he kind of took on the personality of the entire team. Struggle early, kind of figure it out. Second quarter, third quarter, but by that point, it's too little, too late. My 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 takeaway, Dave, is just some of these numbers for Pittsburgh in the playoffs over these last five uh, postseason losses are just abysmal. In the first quarter. 
of Pittsburgh's last five playoff games, they have been outscored 66 to nothing Mm. in the first quarter of their last five playoff games. Just talk about uncompetitive football early, coming out as flat as you can. They've been outscored 122 to 47 in the first half of their last five playoff games. That's a minus 75 point differential. And they've been outscored in totality in all five of these games, 202 to 134. So just uncompetitive football, largely speaking, allowing a bunch of points. And, you know, again, they got back into this game, but this this one played out like so many of their, their other playoff losses. Yeah, you can almost rubber stamp it. And, you know, obviously not having T.J. Watt was a huge, huge uh, aspect of this game, but uh, was it? I mean, obviously it was, but I understand your point of, you know, Pittsburgh still turns the ball over. They still can't run the football. It doesn't really matter if T.J. Watt's out there or not. You can't do those things and expect to win. Right. Uh, and they did get a couple of sacks in this game. Uh, Nick Herbig didn't play as much as what I maybe envisioned he might. He played 30% of the snaps. I, uh, here's the thing. I think I counted like eight in eight snaps in the first half. And how many snaps did he play in total? He played 20. So, and obviously, you know, at, 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 when he's getting playing time, they're far, you know, they were, they, they trailed most of the game, obviously, after falling down to you know, 21 nothing uh, there. Uh, just, you know, and, and when you're up like that, like Buffalo was, you're able to dictate kind of what you want to do. And, Right. You know, the, the same old story can't cover tight ends. And even though those tight ends only combined to have, I, I don't want to say only, because uh, they were very impactful. Let's see. Kincaid had three for 59 in a touchdown. Didn't he have a drop or two in there on top of it? Uh, mm-hmm. Or was it? Uh, and Knox had one drop for sure, I think, to open up the second half. Knox had one catch for nine yards in a touchdown. So I guess overall, those two combined for four catches for 68 yards, but two of those four catches were in the end zone. Yeah, both in the first quarter. And according to the CBS broadcast, first time in playoff history, uh, two tight ends have caught one touchdown in the first quarter. So Pittsburgh had allowed nine touchdowns to tight ends this year, eight of them coming from week 13, the Arizona Cardinals game and on. So it's pretty um, you know, consolidated to a, a couple of weeks, six weeks or so of, of eight touchdowns is just unacceptable. But obviously the injuries, you know, played a factor in this one. You know, I, my concern, and I don't know if I really mentioned it enough on Friday, but I tweeted it out before the game, you know, Pittsburgh playing their, their zone defense, kind of just not complicated, spot dropping, cover two, cover three, bit of post safety rotation on the snap. But High-level quarterback like Josh Allen is going to pick that stuff apart, especially with the weather being largely good in this game and miscommunication issues. If you hear to hear from Miles Jack, there was miscommunication on the touchdown to Kincaid that somebody you know blew a coverage. He didn't say who it, who it was on. So there was miscommunication on the first touchdown and apparently on the second touchdown too. And Pittsburgh, listen, you're just you're not giving yourself any chance if you can't communicate and, and expect to defend Josh Allen. On that second touchdown, was that quarter quarter half? Or was that, or was that uh, designed to be like a Tampa two? I have not gotten a good look at the all twenty two view. Um, Jack says there was miscommunication, so I assume it's not straight Tampa I mean, two he, where he's, he's responsible. He's running for the, the alley. Scene. I mean, he's running. He's running the scene though. <laughs> Jack. Yeah. 
but he's also trailing pretty right. significantly, which I mean, he says there was miscommunication. I'll have to go back and check. I'm not entirely sure, uh, you know, what it was or what it was supposed to be. Right. But uh, yeah. And look, uh, they had uh, the Bills had four explosive plays of 20 yards or more in this game. Two of those uh, uh, landed in the end zone for touchdowns. Uh, one other. Uh, it would have been a probably would have been a, a longer explosive play if it didn't start on on the 17 yard line. Talking about the one to Shakir uh, there, but uh, four explosive plays, two in the end zone on touchdowns, and the Steelers only one explosive play in the game, and that was uh, 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 that 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 big play uh, late in the first quarter to Firemuth that uh, he fumbled, and they luckily. Uh, maintain possession on and when you're down like that you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to have explosive plays as the game goes on to to, to more than likely crawl back in it but they, they they never could get them so buffalo were they plus five in the talk stat is that where they landed plus five uh they had four explosive plays versus the steelers one uh obviously you don't count block i mean do you count block block field goals as a uh turnover i mean i guess you can it doesn't technically go down as a turnover. No. So I view two turnovers plus four explosive plays at six. Pittsburgh had their one explosive play. That's plus five, correct? Right, right. You're not going to win. No, no. <laughs> You're not going to win like that, even if you want to count the, uh, the, 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 the block field goal uh, attempt as a, as a turnover. You know, again, you're, you, you're still down four. Turnover battle, two nothing in Buffalo's favor. You could have, you could have shown me that stat alone. I could have not watched this game, just looked at that, that stat and just said, okay, it, Buffalo won. You just weren't going to win that game under those circumstances. All right. And, and really, I mean, other than going through the finer details of the all 22, once it's released later today, I think, uh, I mean, that, that, that's that. Yeah. I just thought again, defensively tackling, not good enough rallying, swarming, horrific, the horrific. Tackling. Yeah. Especially in some key moments uh, for sure. The Allen touchdown, the, the Shaquille uh, touchdown, um, the run defense was not, as good as it needed to be. It wasn't terrible, but you know, James Cook finding running lanes, they stayed on schedule. They ran the ball pretty effectively. So I just thought even some of those things he kind of expected Pittsburgh to be able to do defensively. Okay. Stop the run. They were mediocre there as well. Uh, the Steelers started off. What were they? Owen three, I think uh, to start the game on third down and they finished five of 11 uh, overall. So it, got a little bit better at least they did convert some third and long one of my keys was stay out of those third and seven type situations that we had talked about because they had had problems converting those they were able to 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 actually convert a couple of longer third downs in this game uh but you know it, it, it was just a, a a sidebar uh to everything that happened yeah, they got put in some of those third and longs early because they couldn't run the ball, and that allowed you know Buffalo to kind of tee off and win from an offensive line standpoint. The protection, I guess, it was okay. Rudolph was sacked once. Broderick Jones that getting was miserable inside. on that one by Rousseau. Yeah, I I don't know. If Jones has been beaten a lot to the inside the last month or so. I don't know if he was expecting help there because often on the center slide to the tackle, the guard's going to help out on, on the tackle and the center's going to take the deep, deep tackle one V one. So I don't know if Jones was looking for help, but he's been beaten to the inside repeatedly over the last month. Agreed. He's got to go back to the left side. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not saying it's the cure all, but he needs to be a left tackle next year, just to at least 
eliminate the thought or the concern of is this are we hurting him by not playing him in kind of his natural quote unquote position? Sure, sure. You're not going to get an argument out of me on that. Uh, beyond that, any any other thoughts here with the offense individually? I mean, any any bright spots? I thought Warren ran hard. I thought Deontay had a good game. Uh, they used him over the middle. I thought the scheme got better. They adjusted with more stacks and bunches and changing up alignments at Deontay. And there was a nice call on the Calvin Austin touchdown. You know, because I thought Buffalo was pressing and really rerouting and and throwing off the timing of these routes. And so to use stacks and bunches to kind of create some free releases was maybe a little too late, but an adjustment that was still made that that proved a positive one for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think Deontay Johnson was probably your offensive player of the game. Uh, uh, if, if you if you want to name a, a, a such and, and, you know, Eric Rowe obviously made a lot of tackles on a defensive side of football. Uh, and it would have been nice if he would have had that middle of the field interception. When was that in the first half there? I think uh, that was before the field goal block, though, wasn't it? OK, I, I think. But yeah, I mean, he you know he gave up that that catch to Kincaid early. You know, Minka didn't seem to be on the seat on the tight ends too much. I guess Mink, Minka ended up uh, leading the team in tackles with ten over row. When he plays, Minka leads the team in tackles. That's just right. what happens. But wish he would have had at least one more, one more. to not allow right. that that touchdown there. But yeah, did Minka get on the tight ends too much in this game? I don't know if he really was on Kincaid or Knox on on some of those key weighty downs. Oh, uh, I didn't. I had, I went through the TV tape just once last night, okay. so I had to look and see what the All-22 says on that. Uh, look, I mean, early they hit one over uh, on the tight end on the over route, and that was uh, Roe on, mm-hmm. on the tight end on that one. Yeah, that was on with uh, Kincaid on the, on the bender. So a little curious there. I know that I believe Fitzpatrick and Roe were the starting safeties. Peterson did play some more traditional outside corner. I have not begun my charting yet. Hopefully I'll have that for Wednesday or at the latest Friday show. So I'll have some of the, the numbers on that. Seems like they had kind of a role for Casey to play. Is that third safety over slot and some packages. But again, I'll have to go back through the the charting and my, my notes to kind of figure out exactly what Pittsburgh's plan was. All right, we got plenty of time to dive into more of the X's and O's and specifics of the all 22 of of, of, of this loss. But I think that's a good general overview of uh, of what happened there. Which are you? I know you're disappointed. We all are. I'm kind of just numb at this point going, yep, it's another loss the same way they've lost all the other games. And this is kind of where I thought they would be when the season began. Look, I think it's an. I you know I know we had this conversation the other day. I, I to me it's an. It, it's not a successful season. Uh, uh, you can carve this up and say, you know, from where they were, uh, especially after the uh, the back to back or really the three losses in a row, but specifically the the uh, the back to back losses to to uh, to Arizona and New England, uh, to think that this team would have got into the playoffs. You know, uh, uh, you know, from that point, especially after a third, third, third consecutive loss to the Colts, you would have thought, man, I, you know, you would have bet bet a lot of money probably against that happening. I guess you could look at that as saying, well, they got in the playoffs, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 they ended up winning. Look, I had this team winning eleven games this year uh, in preseason. You had them winning ten. You gave me a chance to backpedal. I don't know what two, three games, four games into the season, and I backpedaled one game to ten. So they got to where I think we both thought they would be in the win column. I didn't go anywhere. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's there's no way I would have predicted it to happen the way it 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 it, it, it all happened here. But 
you know, uh, and, and yeah, there were injuries, but every team's got injuries. My God, look at Buffalo on, on their defensive side of football, what all they went through, uh, uh, this year, every team has injuries. So I, I don't want, you know, don't, don't, don't hand me that aspect of it, uh, there. And yeah, it sucked not to have defensive, you know, your, your potential candidate or your candidate for defensive player of the year, TJ Watt for this playoff game. Uh, the fact of the matter is I was expecting this team to get in the playoffs and win a playoff game with a second year quarterback who ended up not even playing a snap after he left, you know, what week was that? Uh, 13, 13, uh, after that. So, uh, I deem this season as, uh, you know, not, not, not successful. Cause I, I really expected at the start of the season for this team to get in the playoffs and, and, and win a playoff game, Alex. I'll take my, uh, sad and small victory lap back in September before the year began. My prediction was 10 and seven wild card, one and done. And that's what happened. Now, how it got to that point, who could have predicted that? I certainly did not when they were 7-7. Seven and seven, Did I think they were going to go to the playoffs and even have a chance to be in the postseason? No, but my they they met my expectations in that sense, but it does not mean it's successful. And I'll just go back to the framing that I had on our, on our previous show that, you know, regardless of how you want to define the season success or not, Pittsburgh is still can't get over the hump. They, this, this dark cloud of, can't win in the playoffs, have not won in the playoffs since 2016. 26, I mean, it's been seven years we've talked about a Pittsburgh Steelers playoff victory. That is unacceptable for where this franchise is at, for how they're always in it in the regular season. And simply making it to the playoffs is only one small rung above, never had a losing season. Okay, it's fine. It's nice. But what good does that get you ultimately? You're kind of, you're in this weird middle ground of, they're never going to bottom out. They're never going to be a three-win team like the Patriots where you hit that hard reset button and really blow things up. But are they ever going to truly compete in an AFC with these great quarterbacks who, again, are not going anywhere? And you got a good quarterback class upcoming in 2024 that may add to those those names, a Drake May, a Caleb Williams, depending on where these guys go. I know Williams may go to Chicago, but we'll see how things play out. So the question becomes more longer view is, how do you become a Super Bowl contender? What does that pass look like? I don't know what it looks like right now. It's got to, I tell you what, it's got to include a quarterback. A fran- you got to have somebody be a franchise quarterback. Yeah, look look at the Texans. They turn around when they get a, they get their franchise quarterback. There's a lot of other reasons, too. It's not solely the quarterback, and D'Amico Ryan has done a fantastic job. But you go from Davis Mills to C.J. Stroud, your fortune change pretty dramatically. Sure did. And, well, I mean, look, I mean, we've seen quarterbacks come into the league and – and 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 make noise early and then then kind of fizzle out. I'm not I don't think Stroud's gonna be <laughs> be in that group of of fizzles out. And and I mean that that, that kid really is playing well and uh, you know uh of uh, of uh, uh you know to, to get where they are in this thing in the final uh four on the AFC side really speaks volumes and they got some nice defensive pieces uh, over there. And I think they got some, some draft picks in their pocket moving forward as well, too. They got a, a great young, uh, uh, you know, uh, head coach over there as well, too. in in, in D'Amico rides. All right. Post game. Let me just mention one more thing here really quickly from the, the, the stats of the weird stats of the sad over Pittsburgh's last five playoff games. They played 300 minutes of football, six games, 300 minutes. They have led collectively, 
for four minutes and 56 seconds of that 300 minutes block. And that was the Chiefs game after the TJ Watt fumble recovery touchdown until the Chiefs tied it up. And then they you know, ran away with the game the rest of the time. So Pittsburgh has trailed throughout the not led, I should say, tied or been behind in entirely in four of their five games. And then we're ahead for barely not even five minutes in that Chiefs game. So you played five playoff games and essentially almost never held the lead. That that's that that's hard to do, Dave. Yeah, very hard. Not acceptable. Yep. All right. Post game, Mike Tomlin had his press conference. It was all going pretty status quo. Talked about turnovers being the issue, and it certainly was. And you know, just disappointment of the season. And then I think that was what Bert had the usual. Any final questions? And there was one more question, but not one more answer. ESPN's Brooke Pryor asking, starting as a question regarding Tomlin's contract, and mid question, Tomlin walked off the podium. So big moment there. What do you make of it, Dave? I make of it as he didn't want to be bothered with questions about his contract after losing, bowing out of the playoffs in, you know, in a, in a, in a wild card game. I think he was wanting to talk about the game only now, look, we, we, and everybody else have talked about the speculation about what's going to happen uh, with him. I understand uh, the question being asked because of how much, uh, heck, even even earlier in the day, didn't Adam Schefter regurgitate, I guess, one of his own reports or, uh, you know, along the same uh, lines that we've heard the last several weeks here. Uh, I understand why the question was asked. Uh, I just I don't think Tomlin wanted any part of it, I, you know, uh, at, at that point. So, uh, I, I mean, that's, I don't know if there, it's, to me, I'm not reading, I need more reason to read more into his decision just to walk off the podium like that. I just think he just said, man, I ain't got time to a- answer questions mm-hmm. about, about my contract after just bowing out of the playoffs. Right. I think you're right, but it's certainly going to add to the intrigue sure. in the conversation around Tomlin and his future. Is that is that response, him saying, this is dumb. I'm coming back. Why am I even being asked about this? Or is it, you know, I'm seriously contemplating this and I don't want to talk about this in this, in this moment because we're hurting from the playoff loss. It, it could be interpreted one of two ways, probably more so, you know, the latter in terms of people wondering, okay, does this mean Tomlin may not come back? So I assume we'll be asked about it again, whenever he speaks to the media next, probably next, next day or two for his year end press conference. Again, that question has to be asked at some point, somebody has to kind of fall on that sword. So I get that, but, I just think you have to kind of read the room for a second and be like, okay, they, they just lost another playoff game. The season's over. You can hold that question until the year-end presser and and probably hopefully get a better answer or any answer from there. So that's going to be talked about, though, and it will continue to be discussed until Tomlin addresses it. You know, could Tomlin have handled it better? So, look, you know, we just lost a playoff game. I don't want to talk about uh, any anything other than this game. And then be done with it. It would have, you know, it not created- made the media – firestorm that it's now created well i mean it, i mean that 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 clip's going to be shown over and over again for the next until he until right. he until he addresses again right so. i was like yeah had he had he answered with a non-answer and just said i'm not talking about that we wouldn't be we wouldn't have this viral moment that tomlin right. kind of created by by storming off the podium right right so his his optics didn't help the situation. I understand once again, and people will argue, well, why do you ask that? It was asked because there's been so much written and talked about the last, I mean, really since how, how long has this been going on? 
probably about two weeks of more kind of people insiders really hinting at the idea starting right. with Jay Glazer and then I think Schefter and then Florio etc. Uh, so. In 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 my heart of hearts, I don't think that uh, anything's going to happen there. But once again, you got guys like Glazer who who you know it's you know it it does make you wonder, and that, and that's why the question was asked. Sure. Uh, I think he could have just said, "Look, I don't want to, I, I want to focus on what happened." Do you have it? He could have even just said, "Do you have any questions about this game?" Sure. Sure, and again. then, and then, any more questions? No, and then, leave. then leave. Right, but you know what Tomlin did, you know, is going to create the optics. And he, do you think he'll ever address it when he when he speaks to the media next? Do you think he'll actually give an answer, or do you think he's going to just not talk about it publicly? And we'll either just find out with an extension or silence, or if he were to leave, then we'll find out when that news comes in. I, I I would think. Does he ever like to talk about his contract ever, though? Period. No, no. I mean, definitely not. But even just his future, addressing the reports of, are you contemplating? You know, if, do you expect to coach the Steelers next year? That might be a question that he'll get asked. I wonder if he's going to address that or if he'll continue to blow things off. Yeah, I don't have a good answer for that. I don't. I, mean, I, I, I don't know which way it's going to go. I mean, but, it's it's obviously going to be talk until we find out whether or not. He's staying or he's going, you know? Yeah. And if he, you know, if he doesn't address it publicly, then we'll just have to play the waiting game and kind of, as you said, we'll have, we'll find out soon because senior yeah, senior coming up. right around, right, right around the corner here. It may be, maybe a wait. I still think he comes back. Kim Hayward seemed to intimate that he thinks Tomlin will come back. He's not speaking for Tomlin. Doesn't have anything on the record, quote unquote, but Hayward seems to believe it. The players talked about him glowingly. I don't think he's done, but I don't know. I don't know what's in his in his head, in his heart. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and once again, I, I roll back to, you know, just Jay. I wonder how much Jay Glazer knows or doesn't know. That's that that's the rest of the insider, quote unquote, insider reports. You know, I I, I give more credence to sort of the way and and Jay Glazer's found a way to say something about not saying something, you know what I'm saying? Uh, in that, uh, but the fact that he sort of didn't come right out and say, look, Mike Tomlin is going to be back, but he did say it's Mike Tomlin's decision. So mm-hmm. re- read in, 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 into that, what you will. Uh, if, if he, if he ends up deciding he doesn't want to come back, then there was plenty of smoke <laughs> around the fire there. If he if, if he does come back and gets an extension, then it, it, it it's all about nothing. I've been kind of sitting on the idea for the last, I don't know, 12 hours or so. Probably going to write about it here soon, and hopefully I can explain this decently. But is Mike Tomlin just basically his mentor? Is Mike Tomlin Tony Dungy? Like great men, great teachers, leaders – Mediocre in the postseason, caught fire one one year, won a Super Bowl, left earlier than maybe some people thought. They they seem like the same guy essentially. Leader of men, not leader of football teams. Well, no, I think he's a leader of the football team, but just in terms of the like Tony Dungy's playoff record is nine and ten. A good a good leader of men, not a good head coach. Not even no, not even that, but just from the playoff standpoint, like like really good coaches. I think Tony Dungy's 
everyone agreed was a, was a really good coach, but something in the playoffs where that success was always fleeting despite having talent in a franchise quarterback and Peyton Manning for many years and, and Tomlin having been Dungy had problems with the Patriots. And of course, Pittsburgh's had problem with the Patriots. I just see a lot of comparisons between the two. And I'm not saying that's even a negative thing. Dungy's in the hall of fame. He's got a ring. Um, well, well, look at I a guy wonder, like Mar- Marv Levy. You know what? 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 What's What's the tag on Marv Levy? After never won a Super years. Bowl. Yeah, right. never won a Super Bowl. They, they lost what four of them. But I mean, Tomlin has the ring, so that's not going to follow him. But I mean, just in the sense of, they seem like they're the same guy. And again, Tomlin's mentor in the NFL was Tony Dungy, defensive guy. Young had, had coaches when they were hired. Tomlin was what 35, 33 when he got hired. Dungy was forty one when the Bucks hired him. Not again, not these are good head coaches, good people, but just they're not going to be thought of as the Andy Reeds, the Bill Belichick, the like true upper echelon coaches in the NFL. I mean, look, making to making it to the playoffs as much as this team has under Tomlin is 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 something. But uh you know, it's it's not enough, especially when you bow out five times in a row in the first round. Yeah, I I had the stat, too, that Mike Tomlin is now the 13th coach in NFL history with double-digit postseason losses. He's now 8-10. and Now, of that group, the only two coaches who have a worse winning percentage than Tomlin are Chuck Knox and Marty Schottenheimer. And I believe Tomlin was a big Schottenheimer guy because he grew up around Schottenheimer in in Washington. Um, Or am I I, I getting him confused with um, Joe Gibbs? I might be getting myself confused with that, but... Point is, Tomlin's postseason record has continued to to stumble. I mean, we'll obviously see what happens with Harbaugh uh, and 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 the Ravens this year. But I mean, how many championships does Harbaugh have? And and I'm not I'm not trying to, I'm I'm just throwing out that only only one team every year can win the Super Bowl, right? Sure, it's hard, and and to expect a Super Bowl or even a run every year for Pittsburgh and really most teams is is unreasonable. But the lack of playoff success continues to to be an anchor because you've lost five straight. You've right. lost them in similar fashion. You've been upset. You've you know given up a bunch of points, turned the ball over, come out flat. That weighs on you. And the longer it continues, it's going to weigh more and more. Right, right. So I mean, it's just look, a random look, thought look that at, I Look at guys like, well, once again, like Pete Carroll and John Harbaugh. And, and obviously we'll see how Harbaugh's season uh, way out. I mean, you can – can you be a good good football coach, or can you be a great football coach and only have one one Super Bowl championship? Can can both yeah, yeah. Can, can both be can both be the same? I mean, sure. can both can both be equal. I think you can be a great football coach and 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 quote unquote only have one ring. I mean, only so many coaches have a ring, you know, at all. I, I just had the thought that, that I think Tomlin is this this era is Tony Dungy, and you, you can take that for whatever it, it is. It's not. Certainly not a, a pure negative, but I think Dungy had some lim- some limitations in that lack of playoff success, and Tomlin is really been walking the same path. And again, I mean, it kind of makes sense because Tomlin learned a lot about football from Tony Dungy. Yeah, and when Tomlin did win his championship, everybody will will continue to tag on. Well, he did it with 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 Cowers players. You know, that'll always be until he gets another one, or if he never gets another one. That'll always yeah, be a, I, a, a tag that some will some will use against against Mike Tomlin. Sure, they will. I don't buy it. I don't think it's really a. I don't buy a great it either. Argument. But I, but it, it it's going to continue. But even if he wins another one, someone will have an excuse for some reason about whatever. Some you know 
Mickey Mouse schedule or this guy got hurt or they avoided this team. You know, there's always going to be people always try to put a caveat in there. Sure. I'm not going to take away the Super Bowl. I know that you're not either. Um, but again, point is you're eight and 10 in the playoffs. You've lost your last five. Uh, this is, this continues to be a problem for Pittsburgh. And that's why you never had a losing season line to me. I've always loathed that because you're defined in Pittsburgh by your postseason success. And again, I understand you're not going to win the Super Bowl every single year, but losing five straight playoff games and the way that they've lost those games, especially is unacceptable. All right. Well, I'll roll it back to, to this season specifically. And, 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 and what I said at the start of the season, uh, uh, I thought for this, for this, uh, season to be successful, the team needed to get in the playoffs and win a playoff game. Uh, and, and that did not happen. Fair. I understand that point. Najee Harris post game with some interesting comments too. And I really don't know how to best interpret them. He made it clear he was not calling out the coaches and yet he said they needed stronger and better in-house rules, more discipline, more commitment. He says, quote, uh, not changes in our coaches, the rules that are in our building. we got to be more disciplined. we got to be more committed. I'm not saying that we're not, although it sounds like he is saying they're not. But just uh, coming from a place of that structure, coming and just seeing, we could probably get help in these areas. It might change something. I assume he's referring to his time in Alabama when he talks about coming from a place that has structure. Again, Harris says he's not calling out the coaches, but hearing these comments, I don't know how that can't be, to some degree at least, a reflection of the coaching staff. Yeah, I agree, and I think so, a couple of times during the season, he some of this is his comments that he's made. You know, uh, when tacked on, on the, uh, I think he feels that some maybe problem children are getting treated a little bit differently, and shouldn't be. It seems like it. I assume that goes back to some of the George Pickens related right. stuff, and who knows what else is going on behind the scenes, but. That again, Tomlin's philosophy has always been, I'm going to treat you fairly, but not equally. Right. And maybe, I, maybe that's rubbing on Najee. I think so, potentially. And then I think and Nick Saban kind of seems like, I'm going to treat you guys all equally kind of deal. College is more rigid, more structured, just by its nature. It's younger guys. You're kind of, your time is blocked out more. Tomlin's kind of known for having these guys to have freedom to come and go and their personality shine through and all those things. So, Again, I'm not entirely sure what what changes Harris wants to see, if it's a player leadership or just more structure overall. I I can't quite tell, but obviously he's not happy with the overall culture and how the structure of this team is built. You know, I heard a little snippet of Broderick Jones being asked about uh, Mike Thomas saying, you know, how he's a different coach. He doesn't really yell at you. And and, and, uh, I wonder if if Najee – would want more of a coach and not a guidance counselor. You, you know what I'm saying? Or not, not a leader of, uh, uh, I, I, I think Mike Tomlin wants more. I mean, uh, Najee Harris would like more of a, a coach. What he's, what he, what he can't, you know, similar to what he came from with, with, with Saban. Yeah. More of a drill sergeant, like hard, hard, not hardliner kind of coach it sounds like I thought I thought even more or just as interesting was something Harris also said uh, quote I have my opinions on things but I'm just a player but if you want to elevate where we're at there's some in-house things that need to change coach T always tells me just to play running back that's a little inside thing that we have 
I went on to say, but that's not my place. That's not anything I can control. What do you think he means when he says, Coach T always tells me just to play running back? I don't know. Maybe uh, Najee's got three suggestions of the week in the suggestion box. Because when Harris came in, Tomlin seemed to really put him in a fast track to a, a leadership role. Like he was a captain his sophomore year, not a captain this year, whatever that's worth. Did Harris maybe take that as a slight to not be named team captain? That's voted on by the players. It's not anything to do with the coaches. Um, but it seemed like, you know, Harris was being put in a leadership role and Harris comments now seem to indicate, well, I'm just one guy. I'm not really a leader. I'm not viewed as the leader at least. And so I don't have really a, the, the control to change these things. If he doesn't have the control and if Harris is not blaming the coaches here, then who does he think has the control to change these things? Yeah, good point. Yeah. Interesting commentary. I really can't quite figure and, and out. It's, hard, it's hard to add context to just a small snippet too, you know, from, from one interview. But when you do stack it up with previous things uh, said by Najee throughout the season and all like that, uh, it, it just sounds like, you know, I, 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 I think if you dive deeper into it, you know, he, he would like to see more structure. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that's the that's overall the, That's the root of it. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Kim Hayward speaking after the game as well. Unsure about his future. His body's hurting. He talked about all the all the crap he went through, the groin injury. And we knew, we knew he was hurting. We knew he was hurting during the year, the way he's running too. And, sure. and, and uh, he didn't want to – when he asked specifically, like, what percentage were you and all like that, he came close to maybe trying to answer that. But, I mean, look uh, – he was overcompensating. I think in so many words, he said that during the press conference and it, it was a rough year from him, uh, trying to hurry back from, from that injury and probably overcompensated. And, and, uh, he, he, you know, no, no players a hundred percent during, during the season, but he, he was obviously far from it and did everything he can. And look, the older you get the tougher that is uh, on that, but, uh, he wasn't the player that he wanted to be this season. And I think it all stemmed from that uh, week one week week one groin injury that he had. No doubt. I'm sure his most challenging year. I mean, he's gotten hurt before, but he's never had to come back mid-season from a serious injury when he tore. Was it his bicep or his like tricep? A, I yeah, always forget what it was. Yeah, it was up high, whatever it was. But uh, uh, he couldn't run, man. You know, mm -hmm. he couldn't he couldn't run. Right. My, my point is, though, you know, when he got hurt back then, he was done for the year. He didn't have to come right. back from that. He just got ready for the offseason and, and got ready for the next year, trying to come back midseason from an injury and catch that moving train. And you're not 100 percent when you come back, but you're fighting hard to get back as soon as you can, as soon as you you know you can possibly be cleared. That's difficult. And as he said, he kind of leaned on the other, the healthy groin. And then he got probably hurt that at some point, too. And um, that that's common with injury. Somebody hurts a leg, they kind of lean on their other leg more and actually do, do do more harm than good. So Hayward did not commit to coming back, but based on his commentary, the things he talked about, the way he talked about it, I'm pretty confident Hayward will return. He will not retire after the season. I trying to read in between the lines of everything that he had said last night. Uh, I think he wants to return. Uh, I think he will return now how the contract gets handled. That's that, that's, that's another aspect. Even if they, if, even if they do ask him to take a pay cut, I, I only envision it being at most five. I, I envision it being along the lines of that Ben Roethlisberger pay cut a couple, you know, several years ago. Uh, it's not going to be significant. 
uh, if it does. I mean, there are av other avenues. You can give them a, a, a Troy uh, Heath Miller extension if you wanted to, just to kind of move the money around from a, a cap standpoint where he technically doesn't lose any money at all. But everybody's in, pro you know, it's an understood that 2024 is probably going to be it for him. I, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, this team, at least from where they sit right now, really can't withstand uh, uh, Cam Hayward not coming back, to be quite honest with you. If, 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 if Cam Hayward does not play for this team, at least where we sit right now, uh, that leaves you with Larry Ogunjobi, Keanu Benton, Isaiah Laddermilk, and DeMarvin Leal as your only four players uh, under contract. Now, yes, you would have the freed up money to go out and do other things, uh, with and and look, regardless of what happens with Cameron Hayward, this team needs to draft another defensive lineman. Keanu Benton's a fine young player. You wonder how much Larry Ogan Joby has left in the tank for one more season. But I, I tell you what, if 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 Cameron Hayward does not come back, you're 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 to me, you're 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 you have to be all in on Larry Ogan Joby. Mm -hmm. Uh uh, at that point. So I think when you start looking at every, the big picture and then piecing it together, what, what Cameron Hayward did and did not say, I think he's going to be back in 2024. He was referencing things like training camp and next year. And when he talked about those things, that tells me you're going to come back. And, and to your point, how with the contract, I don't know if they're really going to do a pay cut with Hayward. I mean, I don't either. I, I don't I either. They're going to have to restructure this deal. They may actually, I know they're against it, but the avoidable years or even it's just kind of an extension that's kind of a faux extension that they know that it's not going to be seen yeah, through. Yeah, like, like they did with Heath Miller and Troy Polamalu. You know, you add two years mm -hmm. onto it. You, you, you know, you, you move the money. You know, like, like they did with Mitch Trubisky, to be quite honest with you, you know? True, true. And then we're probably looking at 2024 being his final season for Cam Hayward. Yeah, I, 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 I struggle with thinking that 2024 wouldn't be his last season. Yeah, not going to guarantee it. Who knows? Maybe he he's healthy next year, has a great season. I mean, he could he could play if he wants to. Um, but that's that's my view of things right now. And I I just I feel for the guy. One career playoff win. You know, he spoke about how this keeps him up late at night. That not winning a Super Bowl, watching others before him have the ring and have that part of their legacy. I think Hayward is a guy that really cares about his legacy and, and having that story and you're always going to have that missing piece without having a Super Bowl. And he's never really even gotten that close to, to right. getting there. The year they went to the title game, he was hurt that year in, in 16. I mean, the guys, you know, got into the divisional round, I think, you know, in, in 15 and that's as far as he's gotten in games where he's been active and available, but it's, it's depressing. Yeah, it is. Uh, boy, I, I don't think this is going to be the year he wins the Walter Payton Man of the Year award, but you want to talk about him being super depressed if he does it with with, 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 with everything. And look, it, you know, it's sure. not all about postseason awards, but uh, he obviously doesn't have a playoff win. He's obviously campaigned quite a few seasons in a row for this Walter Payton Man of the Year award. Uh, I think he I think he really would like to have that attached to his legacy. Oh, yeah. I know it, it would mean the world to him. And he's really, you know, worked hard. He, he deserves it. But only one guy can win it. Only one right. guy, only one team can win a Lombardi. Only one team can win that or one player can win that Walter Payton Man of the Year award. And we'll see if Hayward can do it this year because the Lombardi is not going to happen. Any other thoughts here, post-game comments to catch your attention, Dave? Uh, Mason, obviously, Mason Rudolph doesn't know what's going to happen with him. And it's understandable. And uh, for for a loss... 
after three consecutive wins, once again, I thought overall he rep, I don't think he, I don't think he damaged his, 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 uh, free agent market value severely in this loss, uh, uh, to the bills. Uh, now with all that said, I still think his market value, I it's, it's definitely improved. How could it not? <laughs> uh, but I think it's still going to be, um, muted overall. What does that look like? Five million, three million, uh, ten million? Probably a little bit more than maybe a Mitch Trubisky deal. You know, the seven, eight million dollar range. I don't think it's gonna. There'll, there'll probably be these reports come out like they were with Mitch Trubisky uh, after Mitch played thirty three snaps uh, with the Buffalo Bills. People thinking he was gonna get twenty million or whatever those ridiculous reports are. Uh, Yo. Know, he, there's still a lot of questions about him. He's obviously not a a, a mobile quarterback. He's more pocket uh, 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 quarterback. Uh, he did do some do, some some good things overall. That said, he didn't exactly light it up on top of it. So I think you're looking more. If I had to guess, around I don't know six to nine million dollars, maybe ten million being the ceiling, and even even that feels like a little bit of a, a stretch in, in my opinion, but you know, there's, there's markets for, for quarterbacks out there. Right. Uh, especially sure. ones, ones that can push the football down the field and win games. Uh, I don't think it's going to, I'd be surprised if it's any more than 10 million, but to me, it feel it feels like that seven to $8 million range to be quite honest with you. Yeah. And then the question is, does Pittsburgh have an open quarterback competition do they say pickets their guy do they explore other options we're going to talk about that the entire offseason or at least through the draft i know that but that conversation begins and i think you made the point i think ryan clark made the point last night we've talked about it endlessly dave if you don't have that quarterback that can compete against these afc names that we mentioned and again those guys are not going anywhere half of them were hurt this year they're gonna be back healthy next year joe burrow Deshaun watson Herbert played through a bunch of crap this year, et cetera, you know, to, to make an actual run when you have a, you know, mid tier at best quarterback versus some of these top top end names. It's a hard road to walk, Dave. Well, let's, let's, uh, let, let's pivot here. And what are the biggest questions about this team heading into the early part uh, of, of, of the off season here? Number one, what's going to happen with Mike Tomlin, right? right? Okay. Yep. To start there. Right, first question. Right. Number two, um, what is the future of the quarterback position? Uh, your former first round draft pick, uh, remain number one on the depth chart, but not number one on the field. The, 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 the number, the number one became the number two, the number two became the number three. The number three essentially became the, the, <laughs> the number one. The tough episode of Sesame Street with the numbers. I'm right. Trying to keep up. Right. Uh, and as far as Mike Tomlin would have you believe, the number one is still the number one, even though the number three was the number one. And <laughs> the number two is the number three. And there's no question about it. And likely to be deleted. That that's Soon. your, that's your math. That that's your math. I, I was told there'd be no math today. Yeah, uh, but, math. but, uh, look, there's no way you can bring Mitch Trubisky back at that number. I mean, if Mitch Trubisky comes back 
is retained and makes it past. He's not going to make it. I, I don't see how he can make it past his 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 March roster bonus. To be quite honest with you, I don't think he wants to at this point probably be back at that. So there there's one out of the picture. Mason's a, fr- a free agent unless you blow unless you give him the deal. Uh, blow his doors off. There's no reason for Mason to sign before free agency starts. Uh, and he and wants then, to compete. If you tell him you're the clear backup, you know why sign up for that again? Right. And if you give him enough money where he's not the clear backup, he can't be the clear backup. So, right. uh, and then that leaves you with 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 uh, uh, Kenny Pickett. And I keep rolling back in my head, Mike Tomlin talking about football justice. I wonder how far Mike Tomlin has come from football justice when describing uh, Kenny Pickett at this point. But they went out of their way to keep Kenny Pickett as the number one quarterback uh, on, on on the depth chart. Uh, it's going to be real telling, I think, out of the shoot or maybe not telling, uh, at least when we get to pro days, uh, does, and look, Mike Tom might not even be part of it for all we know. You know, where do they show up at the pro days? Because obviously if you think that you need another uh, quarterback, especially via the draft, you're going to show up at those pro days. Now this team could pivot and go the free agent route, you know, sure. uh, you know, obviously there's we're it, it, it's going to be endless uh, talk about probably three in particular, right? Justin Fields, what's going to happen with him and the Bears? Uh, Russell Wilson, what's going to happen with him? And potentially a Kirk Cousins. Uh, to yep. th- Those are probably going to be the three that we're writing and talking about every five and a half days. I wish it was going to be shorter than that probably, but but yeah, point taken. Um, my, my sense is... Those are your two biggest questions. And then I think the third would would be what's going to happen with Cameron Hayward. I I think third is who's your OC. If you're going to stick with your quarterback, you know, that's going to be such a critical hire for for this offense, for this franchise. Um, My sense is, and that's based on some of the reportings, that they're going to stick with Pickett for 2024, especially in assuming if Tomlin returns. If Tomlin walks, then, you know, your head coach didn't draft you, your GM didn't draft you, all bets are off. But assuming Tomlin stays... I think Pickett's going to be the guy. Is that the right decision? It's very debatable. I mean, just to have, I know, I know we're going to have months to talk about this, but to put the question front and center, do the Steelers have a long-term option, a quarterback on the roster right now? Somebody that can compete toe to toe to toe with these top AFC quarterback names. Based on what we've seen to this point with Kenny Pickett, the answer is no. Then it's like, what are we even talking about here? You know, if they don't have that guy, then you got to go find that guy. And will they do that? I I'm skeptical at best. Uh, I'm skeptical at best that they will do something about it. My, my thought as we see there today is that Kenny Pickett will be the 2024 week one starter and they'll give him one more chance to show he can be the guy with a new OC. Yep. And if this, yeah, that that's, that's my thought as well too. And if they, I mean, if you don't bring back Mason Rudolph, who's going to be your, your turn to guy. Some other veteran quarterback that is not on the roster right now. That's that's my thought. That could that change? Certainly, is that the right decision? I, I'd argue it's not, but that's where I think they're headed. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, and look, the the goal isn't now to be well. Let's get Kenny Pickett and sneak into the playoffs and get past this win one playoff game. You got <laughs> if you're going, you look you look name off the quarterbacks that are left in this league right now in in the playoffs. Name them off. 
Uh, AFC, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, C.J. Stroud, and Josh Allen. All right, C.J. Stroud, obviously a young kid, but he looks like he certainly uh, 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 could be one that we're talking about from year for for years to come. But three three out of the four are definitely established guys, and they're all first round picks. All right, uh, what's on the other side? Uh, let's see, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff. Brock Purdy and uh, Jordan Love. Okay. Then so you have three of the four first round quarterbacks, and then Purdy being the uh, the seventh rounder. Right. But obviously, you know, we're we're looking at emerging or more established. Well, Baker's kind of a weird one, but the others. Hey, are, props well, to him. Props to him, yeah. man. I mean, yeah. Florida does wonders for the soul, doesn't it? <laughs> I guess so. That, and yeah, I mean, they, they should be using Baker Mayfield as the, the chamber of commerce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come, come to Florida. Uh, but the collapse of the Eagles, too, is just as remarkable. And yeah. Kelsey's retired and the questions about Hertz and Sirianni. Talk about a fall. Not a good weekend for PA teams, that's for sure. Right, right. But I mean, back, back, back to the point here. Look, mm-hmm. look at the, look at the quarterbacks in the final, final eight here. Well, I just look. I mean, the NFC gets a little bit more muddy because you have Goff, which is a good quarterback, but is he an upper elite guy? Probably not. Baker, but AFC, you know, these four: Mahomes not going anywhere, Allen's not going anywhere, Stroud's not going anywhere, Jackson's not going any, anywhere. You throw Burrow, you throw maybe Watson, Herbert. Um, who am I missing other, you know, Rogers will play next year. I know he's only got a year or two left, but he'll play. You get the point. You got all a high concentration of great quarterbacks reside in the AFC and a lot of them in the AFC North. Look, if you, if, you know, we talk about the adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat and all like that. I mean, uh, there is a threshold that, that a guy like Kenny Pickett needs to be at plain and simple and you have to wonder if he can get to that that point uh you can only smoke and mirror mirror it enough to get in but what are you going to do once you get in you know you've seen the results of what's going to happen the the only reason the Steelers got in is because mason the the the, the, you know the adjusted net yards number technically that he put up in those final three games Sure, I get that. I mean, the, again, the question comes back to what is the vision for this team to become a true contender? I know it's not going to happen every single year, but what is the what is the vision to even get there? And I, I just struggle to see it right now. It feels like a, a continued land of mediocrity until they, uh, once again, until they find, and and look, I, I haven't seen it yet. Maybe, I mean, you, you look at a guy like Jordan Love, right? But Jordan Love didn't even have the, the, the amount of starts uh, but but when when Kenny Pickett faced Jordan Love, how many starts did each of those guys have? Well, I think Pickett had more. Right. This is Love's first year starting. All right. And what do we talk about quarterbacks? You know, good 20, 20, 20 starts. Now, to, to Jordan Love's credit, you now it'd be interesting to see what how how this plays out the rest of the game. And we talked about this the other day, man. After the game against the uh, 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 the Steelers, that that guy started turning it on. Yeah, I mean, he's looked he figured like the it franchise out. guy. Yeah, the light came on for him. So, you know, kudos to him. I, I think that they have it, – it's dangerous to say these things can change, but sure. I think they have their guy. Yeah, uh, and you look at where Kenny Pickett's – how many more games now do we need to, to – to, to, how many more games do they need to give him to see if that light will come on for him? 
Uh, you don't, you, if you're going to stick with him, you can't stick with, you got to go get another coordinator and system or whatnot. Plain and simple, yeah. right? I mean, I mean they're, they're going to, they're going to hire a new, I mean, unless you're implying they're not going to go internal. If that, that's just your caveat that they, they're not going to just promote. I, I don't see, I, you, you got to go, you got to, if, if, if Art Rooney gives one directive and one directive only, uh, it should be, you guys got to do something with, with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with, with the OC and, and the system here. I agree. I, I really, I think whenever Tomlin speaks to the media for his year end press conference, he'll be asked a bunch of questions. We'll write about it. We'll talk about it. The only two that really matter are, are you coaching next year? And what's your quarterback plan? Th- th- those are the only two I'm really interested in him. Giving and, an answer and, and what's the OC plan on top as a yeah. sidebar I mean, to that? Right. But I mean, the OC plan is we'll hire, we'll interview, you know, I know what the answer to that's going to be, you know, We'll we'll bet and we'll figure it out. We'll let you know. The the hire is critical, but the answer to the question, I, I know what that's going to be. But are you coaching? What's your quarterback plan? From an answer standpoint, I, I'm dying to know what those answers are. And aren't these the worst three questions to have about a franchise? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right yes. now, who's your coach? Who's your quarterback? What's your offense going to look like? Yeah, I mean, those are the nuts and bolts of your franchise, and those are all at least questions right now. Right. So things are going well uh, here on this Tuesday. I mean, you go you like go Monday. from heading you you go from coming out of the preseason to wondering, okay, can they get to a point where they get in the playoffs with a second year quarterback, win a playoff game, and then you feel pretty comfortable by, about a Super Bowl window opening up? That you you are not right at. If anything, you you you're you're it that looks miles away right now. It looks good on the brochure. And then you actually get to the timeshare resort and you're like, oh, this is actually not what we thought it was going to be. Are we stuck here 20 years in this thing? Or was this, can we get out of this thing? This is kind of, Pittsburgh's in a timeshare right now. They're just in this like mediocre kind of expensive product. Can't really leave. Kind of just stuck. You're trying to pass it off to somebody. That, that's, that's how I feel about the Steelers right now. They're in a, a crappy Disney timeshare. And if you get a new head coach to, 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 to come in at this point, uh, let, let's say, for some, for whatever reason, Tomlin's gone, and with Omar Khan technically being able to distance himself from uh from from the picket pick if he wanted to, uh, if if that's the direction this thing went, then you have to go all in on a draft with a quarterback, or you have to go all in on a quarterback via via free agency. Yeah, I and mean, again, my thought is at some point this year or next they're going to draft a quarterback will. high. Not, no, not, I, not this year. I don't. Yeah, think. probably. I, I don't think this year. But if not, if not this year, then soon. You know, at some point, twenty twenty four at the latest is your 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 time to figure out Kenny Pickett. And if he's not the answer, then you got to move on. Right. I mean, w- without a doubt, if they stick with Kenny Pickett, uh, he's going to have to make monumental improvement in 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 in, in two thousand twenty four. All right, Dave, any other thoughts? I know we'll have a lot of time to kind of ruminate on these thoughts and the big questions about this team, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, uh, this team, uh, as it stands right now, will pick 20th overall in <laughs> right there in, 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 uh, where, where people don't want to see them picking, probably. Uh, and, you know, obviously there's a chance they could trade up, you know, trade down, blah, blah, blah. But 20th overall is where they sit right now uh, in, in the draft. And when you, uh, why don't you roll through the names, or I can, uh, of, of, of the, uh, at least the unrestricted guys. 
Yeah, we'll talk about it more tomorrow. Um, let me just pull up the list here if I can actually find it. Again, it's not headlined by any one massive name. Mason Rudolph, Rudolph has really become like your most notable free agent to be right. in terms of what's going to happen with him. Also, Levi Wallace, Armand Watts, Blake Martinez, Jandon Sullivan, Elijah Riley, James Pierre, Quan Alexander, Marcus Golden, Miles Boykin, Miles Killebrew, Montrevious Adams, um, Michael Walker, and those are your unrestricted free agents. All right. Uh, you'd like to have Miles Killebrew back for special teams if you could get something done uh, there. And really, the you know Marcus Golden, if the price is right, you'd probably like to have him back. But uh, he is a little bit older, so you have to be careful with the price there. And then what's going to happen with Mason Rudolph? Those those are the guys that uh, that that really stick out. The rest of them, you know, as is usually the case every year, are well, if they they want to come back on uh, and and compete for spots on minimum salary deals, have at it. If not, no no big loss. But uh, the, the the big names or. I won't, I won't say big names, but the notable names, I guess, would be Miles Killebrew, uh, Marcus Golden, poor Quan Alexander. I mean, he, mm-hmm. I, if you could get him to come back on a minimal deal just to compete, fine. If not, not to me, not not a big loss there. But I, I, I think, once again, it's Miles Killebrew. Mason Rudolph's going to be a name to watch. And, you know, potentially a guy like Marcus Golden. Yeah, Alexander might be a post-draft spring thing, see where his recovery's at. You have two torn Achilles in your career. You're around 30. That's hard to come back from. But, yeah, no one breaking the bank. I mean, in terms of, you know, contractually, your biggest offseason decisions are your fifth-year option on Najee Harris right. and maybe an extension for Pat Frymuth, but that may not even come until the summer for all we know. Right, right. Uh, those are other kind of uh, questions once you get past the major questions that we pointed out. Uh, should point out that Miles Jack and Eric Rowe will technically end the season on the practice squad. So mm. those those contracts will terminate here uh, soon. If you could get those guys to come back on minimal value deals uh, with no guarantees, fine. If not, fine. That's my opinion of it. I mean, I'd like to see Eric Rowe back competing for a spot be quite honest with you uh but it, it it's not into the world type decisions i don't think with either one of those two yeah i'd like to bring Roe back jack you know he can walk i appreciate him coming off the couch good guy but this is this was really they needed somebody that knew the system that was a vet this was not like we love your talent kind of situation so i, I think he can can go back to flying planes and running this hockey team um but yeah i'd like to see Roe come back i guess on a minimum type deal. All right. Shall we get to the uh, email machine? Yeah, I should just note quickly. Didn't mention this uh, in a previous show, uh, two all pros this year for Pittsburgh, miles Killebrew. Congrats to him. His first time well-deserved and TJ Watt. And now his fourth all pro and uh, expected, but, but that's the, the selection. And just based off the voting, I'm going to guess Miles Garrett will win Defensive Player of the Year. He had more first-place votes, more total points from the All-Pro voting than T.J. Watt, and there's generally a pretty strong correlation because it's the same block of voters. It's the, the DPO. Why is the AP award? So it's the same voters, and if they vote Garrett ahead of Watt from the All-Pro standpoint, they're almost certainly going to vote ahead of uh, ahead of Watt for the Defensive Player of the Year award. You would think that's going to end up being the case if you're handicapping this. Yes, so get ready for that. We'll know in about... I don't know, three weeks NFL honors about that award, right. but uh, buckle up. Probably going to be Miles Garrett. 
Okay. All right, Dave. Reader, close out today's show. I almost forgot to say my line. All right. Todd Bays writes in, offense not good enough. Uh, just a quick recap on numbers of points per game for playoff winners. He has 21 to 22 season, 29.3 points. 22 to 23 season, 28.6 points. 2022 to 2023 season, I guess, playoffs uh, so far. Uh, I guess he meant that to be 23-24, six games so far, 34 points per game. Uh, Steelers' last three seasons, 20.2, 18.1, 17.9. So when compared to what it takes to win in the playoffs, they are 10-plus points behind uh, the average. Tomlin, if he is back in the front office, needs to address this trend by bringing in more competent offensive staff to get more out of the players. Uh, as you can't turn over the entire roster in one season. Appreciate all you do. Look, point taken. Uh, uh, hate, hate to hate to have to quote Matt Canada here. Uh, need to score more points. Sure, no question about that. Had a little bit of life with Mason Rudolph, but um, yeah, I mean they were the lowest scoring playoff team since I think the 2018 or 2016 Texans. You got to score points in this league. They don't do it. Uh, Cameron Andrews writes in, good morning, Dave and Alex. Thank you again for all that you do. It's a long season with many ups and downs, typically Steelers seasons, but you two were consistent as always. I know many people will blame Tomlin for the slow start, but he says, I can't. The turnovers early and miscommunication is on the players. They needed to execute better. My only, uh, my only issue was with Tomlin was at the end of the first half, the clock management situation. Other than that, uh, I thought he coached a good game. He says, uh, what'd you think about the end of, uh, the first half? Oh yeah. Uh, clock, uh, situation, which I did find curious. I meant to talk about that. And I just, we kind of did like the old school chronological order recap right. of the game. So I kind of uh, lost my place there. It was very question. I mean, either call the timeout immediately or don't call it at all. It really felt like Pittsburgh's coaching staff, Tomlin included, did not realize the situation. And then somebody alerted him with two seconds left. And they went, oh, we got to call the timeout, which is irrelevant at that point. It's second down. They just take a knee in the end of half. So, uh, you know, I mean, if you wanted to argue why you shouldn't call the timeout, you could sit there and say, what if the Bills hit a big play and you give up something late? But when they got a bum punter out there, you know what his, his hamstring situation was like. I think you have to be aggressive, call the timeout. But, I mean, either either do it immediately or don't do it at all. With two seconds left, it's like, what, what are you even trying? To, I, I did, it kind of felt like there was chaos on the Pittsburgh sideline. They, they did not realize the situation until there were two seconds left. If anything, at, at two seconds, call it two seconds left, you're giving them a chance to ha do one of them. <laughs> the band is on the field. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. What yard uh, line was Buffalo at at that point? Uh, End of the half there. They were, they were at their 32. Uh, and it was like a second down and long, 17. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, second. I mean, because Golden sacked him with like 47 seconds left. It would have been second and 17. Pittsburgh had all three timeouts, and then they took one with two seconds left. Yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense uh, there. Uh, what is your take about some of the young players in the game? He said, I liked Robinson's tackling, and I thought Austin stepped up when Robinson left. I think, I, if uh, look, uh, they don't they don't believe in Mark Robinson. Uh, like, like whatever you want about Mark Robinson. Uh, the only reason he played the snaps that he played this season was because of the injuries and all. And even then he was pretty limited to some base packages. Yeah. Right. He, he was downhill. He hit, he had that one great stick that helped Buffalo short of the uh, marker, but 
he has not earned their trust. And that seems to be the issue with him from a above the neck communication standpoint. Problems. I think, I think it was uh, good for Cameron to point out what Austin did after, uh, after, after Robinson left. I thought we saw a couple of nice things in there uh, with him. He says, I didn't hear or see much of Benton. Uh, he thought JPJ was good besides uh, on, on, on the broke broken plays. He says he thought George Pickens had an up and down game. The fumble and the drop T TD in the end zone was low and costly. He says, but he made plays throughout the game. Uh, look, they, you know, say what, say what you want about all the young guys uh, on, on this team last night. You know, it, it, it wasn't enough. Yeah. I mean, again, the, the spot Pittsburgh's in there's talent. They're not going to, they're not going to, you know, tear this thing down to the studs and hit the reset button. That was kind of done two years ago when they you know, kind of rebuilt this offense and had that really young group in 21. Um, so there's talent, but you're missing your quarterback. You're missing some of the schematic type stuff and, you know, defenses got to get faster on defense. I know injuries played yeah. a factor, but this is a slow defense, Dave. I mean, you watch Josh Allen just run laps around, you know, down that 52 yard Agreed. touchdown run. Uh, they got to get some team speed. Minka's got a little bit of speed. You know, Porter can run. Other than that, there are a slow group. And even the guys that are hurt, hold them off the knee, the knee injury. How fast will he, he be? That kind of stuff. They got to get faster. Uh, let's see. He goes on to say a couple of things that he thought was Bush league about the JPJ injury. Uh, some of the questionable flags thrown, uh, Mason sliding and not get and, and getting hit. No flag for that. But Josh Allen, uh, look, we got plenty of time to commiserate about, you know, calls in that game of non calls. What'd you think about the fake slide? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I've had this. This is kind of in my bucket of like lateral based offense idea. If I'm a quarterback, I'm going to, you know, constantly pretend like I'm going to go out of bounds. Oh, don't hurt me, guys. I'm just kind of jogging here. And then I run really fast to get an extra three yards like that kind of stuff. Just use the rules to my advantage because nobody wants to touch a quarterback and potentially get get called for it with the way that they're uh, protected. So I think Allen just does kind of the smart things and exploits the uh, extra protection quarterbacks get. Uh, David Beerley writes in, thanks for all your great work. I know you usually don't like to say what you would do, but what changes this offseason would you like to see happen? I still think Tomlin is the right man for the job, he says, but other major changes need to happen, like a new offensive uh, staff or, or of outside hires and maybe even a new D.C., as well as getting aggressive in free agency and not being complacent. What do you guys think? Devin, we got a lot of time to talk hmm. about this, a lot of time. I mean, look, first and foremost, like to see, you know, if indeed Mike Tomlin comes back, like to see the offensive uh, 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 coaching staff changed up uh, there. I mean, we can have arguments about uh, the defensive coordinator there. The The fact of the matter is they, you know, like Alex just said, they, they're, they, they need speed on this defense. Yeah. They got to get an upgrade there. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, so, I mean, we're going to have a lot of these talks, Devin. I appreciate the email. Nick Shuley writes in, uh, the Steers have been outscored 66 to nothing in the first quarter of their last five playoff games. Lack of fundamental ball security and six penalties says to me that Mike Tomlin players coach mentality enables guys to play sloppy, undisciplined football. He says this team will continue to be in purgatory until they part ways with him. He says it's now been seven years since they've won a playoff game. He says it's saddening to see Tomlin take the standard of when the Steelers were once feared to them being mediocrity mediocre and feared by no one. This is, there's no way they can give him an extension after this. Uh, he says, I think you guys, I thank you guys for all the content. Dave. Also, I recently got into CCR 
man, what a great band. Are you a fan? Yeah, I grew up with Cleanest Clearwater Revival always playing. There was uh, some things I always remember playing in the house as, as a young kid as far as music goes. Uh, Elvis Presley, Cleanest Clearwater Revival. Uh, Tom Jones. My mom was a big Tom mm. Jones fan. Uh Geez, what else? Led Zeppelin. I remember Led Zeppelin being played in the house at a young age. Uh, there, outside of that, I mean, uh, uh, various country music. Uh, Glenn Campbell, Ronnie Millsap, Charlie Rich. Uh, that's 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 my memories. But yeah, I I I I can listen to Creedence Clearwater Revival. Thanks for the email, Nick. What about you? What you you got any memories from music as a kid, Alex? Anything playing in the house? Uh, yeah, mom, big Elvis fan, like huge Elvis fan. Um, so a lot of that probably dominated my uh, early days. All right, yeah, I love you know to this day I can still listen to Elvis for, uh, for for obvious reasons. Oh, Beatles, a lot of Beatles in the house growing up. Uh, Kevin writes in. In recent weeks, they have uh, been two main points suggesting that Kenny will be the guy, quote unquote, football justice, and Kenny is Coach Tomlin's guy, and those are good points. But don't they apply equally well to Mason? At least from the outside, we have at best secondhand info on training, etc. Et I still remember Dave commenting on Coach's glee at the first working out of Mason during the pre-draft period, and we certainly can't argue with his professionalism nor his strength in the face of dual uh, adversities this season, a horrible three-game losing streak, and being down three touchdowns. He says, uh, I don't know who will ultimately be the better quarterback, nor whether either can become the franchise guy, but I certainly think Mason has earned an equal chance to fight for that starting job. Uh, thanks, for you guys, for the excellent work. Kevin, good points there, but the, here, here, here's one of the key points. Mason's not under contract next season. That's that's something that this team, <laughs> that's a big obstacle right there. Yeah, I, and we don't know what his future is going to be. Don't know what his market's going to be. I assume it'll be more than what it was this past year, which was essentially nothing. Um, you know, I will say also, well, I think he's earned himself some money. The, the strength of the quarterback class may, may cap his value a bit. I think one reason why Mitch Trubisky was viewed as, uh, even though he kind of wasn't that hot commodity, was that draft class was viewed as really poor. In this class, you're going to have, May and Williams and Daniels and Penix and uh, other guys I'm sure are missing right now. And, and you're going to have a bunch of, you know, blue chip type of quarterback prospects and that may decrease the value of the free agency class. Yeah, I would agree. So may, maybe his, maybe uh, Rudolph's value comes in even lower than maybe what we think, you know, but it's hard to peg. Everybody it just takes one team that, that likes them. Sure. So I don't know. Uh, Zach Watt writes in, Hey, Dave and Ox, unfortunate into the season, but at no point did we look like the better team sans that brief moment in the second half of the game. My question is, can we expect Art Rooney to make a statement about the direction of the team and what his expectations for the team will be as we move forward into the off season? Peace and love, Zach. Yeah, Zach, uh, usually the end of, uh, about the, from really from this point until the end of January is when the bat when, when the Rooney bat signal uh, goes up uh, there and look at me, obviously you got the, uh, when's it, what's the date of the senior bowl, Alex? It's always last week of January into that first week of February. So two weeks, basically. Yeah. This will all, we're going to get some, you know, we'll get our answers. I think about Tomlin here pretty quick and then we'll have, uh, you know, the Rooney press conference and, 
what he'd like to see moving forward. And, you know, usually you can take a piece or two of that out and rubber stamp it to maybe what you think the, the, you know, will be in the draft and, you know, to some degree free agency, but that, 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 that's coming here, Zach. Uh, This just goes back to just quickly, you know, our conversation, but will they stick with Kenny Pickett? And if they stick with Pickett as we think that they will, it becomes okay. Operation save Kenny Pickett. That, that's going to become their off season motto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's the way they're going. Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't have any reason right now to think otherwise. I agree. Uh, One more here. Let's uh, take one from Nathan Casey here. How is the obvious fake slide by Allen not called as a penalty in this era of protecting the quarterback? In my opinion, that was clearly a move to make the defender think he was going to slide. There needs to be a rule in place and all TDs are reviewable and it should come back to the spot of the foul. Then tack the penalty yards on making a mockery of the rule made made to protect runners. Also the horrifically unsafe blindside lineman hit to the back of the head of uh, uh, Joey Porter Jr. should have been called and would have been would have negated it, that huge play by Buffalo. That isn't necessarily the reason they lost, he said, but I'm not sure it couldn't go different. Uh, it couldn't go differently with those two penalties, not even mentioning the illegal holding on a moonshot uh, out, out, out of bounds there. Uh, look, point taken. Uh, if these quarterbacks want to be protected, then they're, they're, you know, but it's such a, such a subjective call too, right? Well, just to be clear, the fake slide is not illegal in right. the NFL. So if you want it to be illegal, that's fine. But for that to happen, you have to kind of get burned. You know, Kenny Pickett's touchdown against Wake Forest stood, and then they made it, you know, illegal after the fact. So somebody has to make that play for it to actually come into a, in, in the purview and in, in the conversation. But it is not illegal. You can fake slide all day long right. in the NFL. It is 100% legal. And then even if you made it a made it a rule, you know, there, there's a level of subjectivity to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. What what is a fake slide? What is what does constitute a slide? I, I mean, mean we have trouble open. figuring out what is a catch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. So right now you can be, be mad and that's fine. But what Alan did is hundred percent legal. So what are you gonna do about it? And with a guy of his size, like Alex put it best. He's going to, you know, he does a great job of, of stretching it, uh uh stretching the rules as as, as best as he can. Uh, all right, uh, we have a lot of time for a lot of angry emails moving forward here. Uh, I think Alex and I might try to tackle another one on Wednesday morning. Yeah, we'll stay in routine. We'll do maybe a short show, maybe go through for agency a bit more. Maybe the All-22 will come out. So we'll, we'll come back tomorrow and talk about this some more and go from there. All right, uh, we'll move forward into the offseason here. A lot of good content coming on studiosdepot.com. We will shift immediately to offseason mode. Uh, all the usual things that you'd look for within that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button. Uh, if you like an ad free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad free button. We certainly do appreciate. Uh, take a moment here. All the support for the site, for the podcast. Uh, shout out to all of our contributors, uh, on the site, uh, just absolutely phenomenal season. We, uh, we appreciate all the support that you give us. Uh, we don't take it lightly. We try to do what we do with every post and every podcast and every terrible take and just everything, 
you know, we, uh, we, we try to do it, do it as, as balanced and as objectively as we possibly can as a group, which still having some semblance of being fans mixed in this. We're not perfect in any sense of the imagination here. Uh, we just, you know, especially Alex and I specifically, we're just two guys that like to talk Steelers football and football in general. And, and hopefully that shows through with, 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 with everything that we do. So we don't know what the plans are you for, for you are moving forward. Some will like to take a little time off and maybe not listen and not read the site. That's fine to do. Uh, we do ask that, you know, hopefully that, you know, you, you do stick with us as much as you can through the off season here, but more than anything, uh, Alex and I would just like to say thank you to everybody listening and reading and, and thank you to our staff as well. Anything else to add, Alex? No, it's a great sentiment, Dave. I echo it completely. It's uh, it's always a long year and right. you're right. I think you said it so well earlier, like the NFL is to be so strange in sports in general, like you're, you're in season 24 hours ago. You know, we're talking about they're going to go to Baltimore, win this game, pull off the website, and now it's just over, just done. Just it's a, it's a light switch, turns on and off, and now things are, you know, we won't see this team play again until the preseason. So, so weird adjustment, but you know, we, we thank everybody for following. We thank our team that worked so hard from training camp to now is a is a long time, and they put in a ton of work, and we really appreciate that. But we're still here. We're still going to talk about this team, do breakdowns and columns and. All what we do at Steelers Depot. So hopefully you guys stick with us. And Alex, you do a great job. I mean, I'm blessed. I wake up. Uh, I mean, every morning get to work with you. Uh, that's a blessing. Uh, get to talk to you three times a week for uh, up to you know, about around two hours sometimes. And uh, I, I I still get a joy out of that. So I appreciate you. So uh, yeah, you as well, Dave. Uh, with that, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.